Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian Tian with your market view. Now, today we're going to be looking at how venture capitalists are investing in the financial services industry. Now, according to Global Data's deal database, financing deals worth some 492 million US dollars were announced in APEC in August this year. Now, while this was a drop of nearly 40% over the previous month and close to a 45% drop when compared on a yearly basis, you see some VCs actively funding projects and startups in the meantime. So how do they view the industry right now? What are they eyeing for the longer term? For more, I speak to Elvin Jiang, Director of Venture Funds and Direct Investments of Financial Services and Energy at Cinemas. Hi, Elvin. How are you? Hello. Thanks for having me. Good. Great to have you. And uh, Elvin, before we start the interview proper, appreciate it if you could uh, share with us a little bit more about cinemas, how the financial services venture funds um, uh, sit in the whole picture. Yeah, so um, yeah, hi, my name is Elvin. Uh, I'm a director at uh, Cinemas Financial Services and Energy, specifically focusing on the VC and PE side. I think Cinemas is a rather large group because uh, we have about 400,000 employees and um, in total, so that's including blue collar. I think how we look at it is, uh, I think how people should look at Cinema's group uh, is by the different arms. So I'm under the financial services arm, as well as the energy and infrastructure arm. So financial services, uh, we hold licenses, uh, bank licenses and multi-finance insurance licenses in uh, Indonesia, China, and as well as Singapore, uh, one in Malaysia, and I think a very new one in uh, Timor-Leste. Right. And I want to look at the bigger picture before we zoom in to look at some of those investment opportunities, Alvin. Financing deals in the financial services industry dropped nearly 40% on month, 45% on year in August. As a VC investor in this scene, do you think VCs like yourself aren't investing as much? Is this an issue of a lack of startups to invest in, or does it have to do with the appetite from VCs? The first thing is the macro environment. VC to me, it's a function of optimism. So I think now that things are a little bit more undecided, yeah, the macro environments, I think uh, that reflects in also the macro interest rate and, and, and the yield curve inverting. Uh, I think venture capital and entrepreneurs just do not know what might happen three to five years later. So I think the usual VC investing uh, time horizon uh, used to be from seven to ten years, and if you do not know, you know, for example, twenty twenty seven is is the Taiwan war gonna happen, right? Um, or is the Ukraine war gonna last for another two or three years? Uh, it's a bit hard to plan out everything. So I think most VCs, including our own portfolio, uh, we we I mean, we tell our portfolio to to just hunker down and focus us focus a lot more on capital preservation. Uh, so that's a reflect, direct reflection of how, um, like how much less optimistic we are regarding the short term. But I think long term wise, technology is here to stay. Um, like emerging tech, uh, including some like fintech um, technologies such as blockchain, uh, they are here to disrupt. It's just that uh, I think they have more disruptive things right now within the next two to three years that disrupts the capital deployment for the early mm-hmm. stage venture capital or even late stage venture capital. Yeah. And since we're on the topic, I just want to find out what are some of your recent investments and also how has a higher interest rate environment 
impacted the ability of VCs like yourself in funding projects and startups? Does it mean that VCs now require higher projected cash flows for target firms before you think that, hey, that investment is worthwhile for me to put my money in? Okay, so I think for the record, let me clarify that uh, we, I'm actually from the family office side and right. not, uh, we are not exactly a VC setup. So I think uh, the difference is that VC, you raise the party capital and for us, mm. we deploy our balance sheet. And right. I think lucky for us is that both financial services, uh, our, our core business unit anchor, uh, the balance sheet provider, right, uh, in a sense, um, is that the, the business unit's financial services, uh, payments uh, itself, and energy, so commodities, energy commodities such as coal, uh, solar energy, these are actually direct beneficiaries of inflation. I think our cost of capital from that sense is a bit more, uh, is a bit different from traditional VCs. Right. Um and I think the way we look at it is that we actually deployed more into funds recently because I think from our perspective, it's, from a VC perspective, is that raising from folks like us uh, is, is a bit easier because like, we are not really affected as much by inflation pressure. Of course, uh, when we do buyouts and when we, when we take uh, external credit, sure, that there's an element of that. But um, also because like uh, our because of commodities, right, and, and financial services, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a anti, it's an anti, it's not an anti-recession. Uh, recession is bad for everybody, but it's, it's in an inflationary environment, that, which is where there's still not recession taking place, is something that's uh, good for us, like cost of fund perfect. How do you view the VC scene in the financial services and the energy industry right now? What are some key trends you're looking at and what are some companies you're investing in? Uh, I think financial services-wise, uh, one of the latest public one is... Uh, or fintech is a Dana, so we we bought a decent chunk stake in Dana. Um, but most of the investments that we look at are very strategic to our BUs. So for financial for the biggest anchors, financial services and uh, energy, uh, we look at energy tech. We look at um, fintech, which is I mean Dana is one of the example. Um, regarding energy tech, we look at upstream and downstream of uh, new energy new energy resources. Uh, we also look at potential disruptors. Uh, for our traditional uh, thermal and uh, or even complementary right to thermal simply because the the war has re-sparked the demand for thermal again. But I think investments take on a very strategic lens, uh, including funds. So it's really about how they can future-proof our core businesses. Right, and since you mentioned about Dana, I, I just want to uh, focus on that as well. Dana, for the sake of our listeners, it is one of Indonesia's biggest digital wallet providers. In fact, Bloomberg indicated that Cinemas and Lazada Group raised two hundred and fifty million US dollars for Dana. So, what are the opportunities you see in the digital payment sphere, and specifically in Dana and the synergies that you think will benefit Cinemas? I think specifically, we are look, we're working with Dana right now on a couple of uh, financial services, like tapping on our financial services license, because I think fintech and payments. Uh, I used to be an entrepreneur from the payment seat. So it's always a feature and it's never, yeah. a, it's never a product by its own, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in fact, right. if you look at all payments app, most of them actually are loss making. So they are like, in a sense, they are like the, there's this word called CAC, CAC, cost of acquisition of customer. So they are like CAC for data. And then uh-huh. you monetize, so they create a lot of value by unlocking the data, but they do not really capture value. Because payments is uh is highly regulated, right? I mean, you mean regulation regulators. I think last year, Ojeka and BI, which is the MAS equivalent of uh, Indonesia, they actually put a hard stop, a hard limit on the payment fee they can charge, the interchange fees uh, internally. So that actually 
took out a lot of revenue for a lot of different payment startups. So I think, uh, and that should be the trend going forward, right? Like payment is supposed to be well lubricated. It's not supposed to be very friction. It's not really supposed to be very high friction. I think the data itself is something that is more valuable to both the startup and also conglomerates like us. So we, I think our competitive advantage is that we sit on a lot of valuable licenses that's, that needs a lot of capital requirement, which is something that startups do not really, I mean, VCs don't really want startups to take the money and just like put it in a bank as a fractional reserve <laughs> banking requirement, right? So yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's where we come in, right? We each play our role. And so mm. some of the things we are exploring with them include insurance product, lending uh, products, right? There are, uh, you can't really do without the data. And I think one thing that fintech startups do very well in is that uh, for the ones that can last, they really, they are like, they are like a data sink. And they are very granular data, and it's all up to uh, the different products that we can co-create with uh, conglomerates like us, uh, financial services firms like us, to uh, yeah, to monetize mm. and, and, and work out from there. Yeah, and I understand you are very much focused on investing in the energy sector, as you have mentioned very briefly just now as well. So, what are some key trends you're observing in the sectors? Where are the bright spots? What are you looking to invest in? Mm, okay. and I think energy is a very wide field. I mean, the ultimate underlying is actually energy transfers, right? I think some of it is... Uh, okay, ultimately, I think it's all about reducing this thing called LCOE, which is the levelized cost of energy. So uh, it's how to, to better utilize energy efficiency. So I think I, I, I see it as a few, a few chunks. One of it is energy production, and the other one is energy distribution. So both of it have very inherent problems. Energy production, of course, we know that the world is heating up or cooling down, depending on which hemisphere you're in, and they are facing like extreme winter and extreme uh, global warming. Right? And, and, and carbon is one of the, I mean, to be honest, as us as a coal miner, um, we are never going to be carbon neutral. But uh, we do invest, we, we can only invest in alternative energies such as solar. Uh, for Southeast Asia, I think solar is, is definitely one of them. Um, hydro is highly disruptive. So uh, I think those are the very high capex kind of uh, technology. Yeah? So they are like the traditional definition of technology. They are like hard tech, but they are still very capex driven and capex intensive. So one thing we look at how to reduce the cost from the energy generation part is actually... The how to lower depreciation of the fixed asset itself. So that huh. involves looking into uh, the built environment, which is construction mm. technology, right? Which yeah. was initially the, we had an innovations lab that was uh, co-created, uh, I think called, co-sponsored with uh, EDB uh, when I first joined the group in 2019. So it was purely to look at contact, right? To, to map out every single part of the construction process, the EPC process, uh, and, and do how to, how do we extract energy out of the earth, yeah. So, uh, all around the earth, yeah. Solar energy. So, I think that was something that uh, we look at. Uh, we still continue to look at, and we still spend quite a bit of time mapping out uh, the disruptors in this space. So, built environment. Um, and then the other thing um, is the logistics of it. Once the energy commod is out, right? So, how do you distribute the grid distribution? So, I think one specific case, if in Indonesia itself, that a lot of um, European energy companies or energy new energy startups that um, they, they actually find is very challenging is that 
in Indonesia, there's like thousands, tens of thousands of islands. It's probably the most decentralized uh, landmass in the in the whole world, right? And yeah. how do you cross all these oceans and how do, how does grid transmission work? It's still mm. something that uh, it, needs, it needs a lot of innovative uh, breakthroughs, innovation breakthrough to to actually resolve this issue. Yeah, so just mm-hmm. moving right. energy packets from one place to another is, is something that uh, it takes out a lot of my time, lah, yeah, looking at it. <laughs> I, I've got to say that it's very interesting and I could really sense the excitement in you. And also very exciting here. Cinema's very much into buyouts these days. What are some of your recent buys? What are you going to buy next? And what are some key challenges? Well, I think everything distressed we are looking at it. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> to the inflationary environment, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, recently, apart from the Dana, uh, so Dana was like a minority majority stake acquisition. So we we still we still have a we still have a found uh, executive team, you know, leading it, leading it and running it. But it was a decent chunk. Um, I think the other ones are really just distressed assets in in a very traditional space. Because I think, I think as as you mentioned out correctly, um, if you want to do like a LBO of a buyout uh, of of a startup, right? I think one of the main issues is that how do we account for the capex and how do we account for the cash flow which is the key the determinant both for 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 the interest for the credit right. interest rate or the leverage mm-hmm. interest rate so this two doesn't this two traditionally doesn't don't exist in in software driven startup it's just pure future revenue and even the revenue is not predictable it's it's like growing 50% year on year so there's not many leverage buyout mechanisms um mm. especially in a very high interest rate environment for software startups so we look at um Things that so we look at actually buying more anchor BUs like traditional uh, licenses, uh, traditional concessions, um, real estate, and trying to techify them. But the techification process itself is we don't really use buyout for startups. Thanks very much, Elvin. That was Elvin Zhang, Director of Venture Funds and Direct Investments of Financial Services and Energy at Cinemas. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.